This is the Equip Podcast hosted at Rocky Creek in Greenville, South Carolina. This weekly course seeks to equip our church for the work of ministry. Hope it will help you as well. Uh, so what we want to do tonight is kind of unpack this idea of what does it mean to prepare a budget, which sounds super, super, uh, in some ways, some people may think, man, it just sounds like, are we just doing this practical guide? But this is related to church and ministry, and here's why. Because if you can do better with what God has stewarded you, you have the opportunity to be to use that in different ways to honor Him, uh, to do good for others. And so we want to take everything that we have and we want to use it to the best of our ability and to God's glory. Um, a few months ago, uh, me and the boys were riding around here on Winter Road, and there was a... Um, there was a gentleman that was out by the side of the road and had a sign uh, looking for money and whatnot. And so I, I sit there and pull out my wallet, and Obadiah's riding shotgun with me. And I said, hey, can you give this uh, to this guy coming out here and roll down the window and say a quick word to him? He gives him the money as we drive off. I said, hey, Obi, thank you so much for giving to that guy today. He goes, I didn't give it. You gave it to me. And I said, yeah, but you were the, like, you, you went in your hands and went to him. Thank you for being willing to do that. And he said, well, I just was basically using my dad's money to help the guy out. And I said, Folks, that's where it's at, right there. Every day, my life, right? Anything that I have to give to anybody else, guess what? It's my Father giving it to me, and all I am is just being the vessel by which it goes through, right? And so every time that we have the opportunity to do that, we want to take what God has entrusted to us, and we want to use it uh, in a good and practical way. And that's why, as you look at the first little paragraph there, it says, if you don't make a plan for how you use your finances, someone or something else will make a plan for you. Now, that does not necessarily mean your spouse, okay? But it could be, right? But if you don't make a plan for how you spend money, folks, somebody will make up your mind for you, right? They'll tell you what you need. They'll tell you what you need to spend money on. And in fact, a lot of other folks will love to step into that process. But preparing a budget shows that you are a responsible steward with what God has entrusted to you. Once again, if we're going to be a steward, it is this. God has given us certain things, and we want to be the best use that we can possible with what he's given us. I've given us a few Proverbs here. Once again, there's so many Proverbs uh, in the book that can help us think about finances. But I want us to go through a few of these tonight. Proverbs 10, 16 says, The wage of the righteous leads to life, the gain of the wicked to sin. Just think about that for a second, right? The wages of the righteous leads to life, the gain of the wicked to sin. So we can think through that whenever you earn something and it's a righteous living, it's a righteous way, it leads to life. It should take care of not only your life, but also other people's, but also the gain of the wicked. If you were gaining stuff in a wicked way, it's going to lead to sin and even further sin. Proverbs 13, 22, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. Think about that. A good man leaves an inheritance to his, not only his children, but what? His children's children. It just continues to go down that legacy, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. What is it saying? Those people who are sinning and they're not taking care of this, that money is not going to go to anybody in their family. They might use it unwisely, and one day maybe somebody with good means will possibly take a hold of it. But that a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Now, one thing that you have to think through while budgeting is so important when you think through your finances is that every spending decision is always a spiritual one, okay? Every spending decision is a spiritual decision. So when you think through how you're going to spend your money and what you do, and so with this, you're obviously thinking that there are some times that you want to say, I want to leave an inheritance. I want to bless my family, my kids, or even my grandkids one day with what I've been afforded. Now, I don't want anybody to show a hand or to give any indication, but you can just say, uh-huh, if you believe this. Have you ever think there's ever been anybody nearing the end of their life and they don't want their child or grandchild to receive that inheritance? 
You ever think that happens? <laughs> Where you go, I don't know if I want to entrust what I've done right here to this person because I got a few ideas of what they're going to do with it, and it's not going to be good, right? It's not going to be good. Sometimes, um, as a pastor, you get asked questions that, once again, they did not train you for in seminary. Pastor, do you think I should leave my inheritance to my child if they're living in sin? I can't tell you what to do, right? Well, are they going to be mad at me? Well, you'll be gone. They can't yell at you. You know, like, What are they going to do? You know, I mean, Yeah, but they'll be so mad. They, they can't retaliate. Okay, You'll be fine the moment that they hear that. They'll, and, and I said, and at that moment, could you instruct them even in that moment? Yeah, you could. I love you. I want what's best for you, but I'm only giving you this. And the rest I'm giving to this ministry that I support or this person over here because I trust what they're going to do with it and I'm concerned about where you are in life. Would that hurt for that person to hear that? Yep. And does that hurt and need to be in their life? Probably. Probably. And so this person says, look, if you're going to leave an inheritance, a good man's going to do that. You're going to provide so that you can actually leave something to be a blessing to someone else. Um, next line here, the crown of the wise is their wealth, but the folly of fools brings more folly. Crown of the wise. Crown of the wise is their wealth. So here's this kind of idea, right? It's like this this kind of way that displays that, hey, I'm, I'm trying to live wisely and that we've got the finances to do what we need to do. Hopefully today I tried to communicate this, but we don't want to be rich for rich sake, right? We want to provide so we can take care of our needs and bless those around us, but also be free to be generous with others. Look at Proverbs 15:6. In the house of the righteous there is much treasure, but trouble befalls the income of the wicked. Think about it. In the house of the righteous, there is much treasure. Is that physical and financial treasure? Sure it is. Is it also other kind of treasures, like spiritual ones and emotional ones? Absolutely. But trouble befalls the income of the wicked. So those who are doing wicked things, even trouble will befall not just them, but their income. Um, Proverbs 15, 16. This one will be encouraging to some of you folks tonight. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. It's better to have just a little and be honest and, and right with the Lord, right? Don't have a lot, but at least you're right with him. That's all right. You can do a lot with just a little with the fear of the Lord than having great treasure and having trouble with it. And then Proverbs 27, 23, and 24, know well the condition of your flocks. <laughs> Some of you go, I don't have any flocks. How am I going to do that, right? What do you think in this community that they're saying? They're saying, Look, give, know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds. What is he saying? Know how good your financial situation is. That's what he's saying. Know, know, know what kind of situation it is. So in those days, if you had a flock, it would kind of just sort of determine what your retirement looked like and how you could provide for your family. You need to know how well they are. are your, is your whole flock sick? Are they taken care of? How good is it, right? You know where they are? Give attention to those things. Why? For riches do not last forever. And does a crown endure to all generations? He's saying, look, it's great that you might have income right now, but do you know where this is going, Right? If you got, well, look, I got a flock. Yeah, and they're all about to die too, right? They're on their last leg. Like that's not going to last you forever. So in these Proverbs, we're seeing the need to come alongside and to really give people guidance and direction of how they should be spending uh, their money and thinking about things. And throughout the book of Proverbs, as we looked at today, and even some of these, there's always this balance of present needs, right, and future needs. There's some people who are so future-focused, right, they can't be generous today. And there's some people who are so present-minded taking care of all these needs that they're not thinking about the future when that winter is coming, when those hard times are coming. And they get to their place in their life, and they go, oh, it's too late, what do I do? Well, they have to become a burden on somebody or something to help get through a time in their life. So um, on Thursday, 
I had um, I went to Greenwood. This is where I was I was born and raised in Greenwood County, um, and I had to do a funeral for a family member. He was a second cousin to me, um, and when I went to the funeral, was the first time I'd ever seen him. Okay, first time I ever saw him. He was um, there in the casket, and uh, Charles was a um, once again my, my mother's first cousin who uh, had been um, in an institution, a mental hospital, for all of his life, basically. For 70-something-plus years, he'd, he'd been in a mental institution, so most of the family didn't know him, okay? Um, we were there, and my mom was the closest to Ken in some ways, and she had only seen him one time when she was a little girl. And she just remembered he had been troubled from a very early, early age. Uh, parents had passed away, his brother had passed away, but when his brother passed away, this is what his, his brother did. He had provided all the needs to take care of his brother's funeral and his parents' funeral, and he didn't know what was going to happen. He said, they're not in a place where they can do that, but I'm going to set them up where they can have everything they possibly need. And so what was interesting was, um, his boys were asking me, they said, well, was it, was it a big you know, funeral? I was expecting about three of us there, is what I was expecting. We had about 13, and some of those were just some of my mom's friends to be there to support her, you know. Um, and I say 13, including me and my second cousin there in, in the casket beside me. And, um, and we just did a service to try to honor, and we walked through a lot of the questions that people have when mental illness with somebody, and how do we know where this person is, and we walked through a lot of that together, but spent a lot of time. But in the midst of it all, and all the complexities and all the kind of things that, that make you think about it, there was also this moment that I thought, God, I'm, I'm thankful for this example because you had a brother who said, I have a family member who's never been able to be taking care of himself. Never been able to. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to set him up, and no matter when this happens, he's been set up in life, but even at his death, I, I can take care of those things. So what's interesting is, is I never met those second cousins of mine. I never had the opportunity to know them. Um, and this, this cousin that I did the funeral for on Thursday, um, I never would have been able to meet him because of just the kind of behavior that he had with his life. But I also say it's something beautiful about in mind that here is someone, his older brother who had passed years ago, and yet, even past his death, he is caring for his brother. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that's something powerful to me that goes, he's gone, and yet he set things up because he knew my brother has no one. No one. I mean, a young pastor cousin of his is going to have to do his funeral who's never met him, Okay. You want to talk about stuff they don't train you for in seminary? There's 136. Like, you know, like, what do you, what do you say, right? And, and so, and yet, all those things have been taken care of. The, the stuff, the, the casket, the services, the arrangement, where he was going to be, all that been taken care of by a family member who said, I'm going to take responsibility for this. And, and I say that to go, uh, some of you may go, oh, goodness, I've got a lot of people in my family that have a lot of needs, right? And you might, might overwhelm you. But what all the opportunities for us to do this, when you budget right here and right now, you can a lot of times say, well, goodness, is this going to you know, constrict me somehow to, to keep me from doing the things that I want to do now? I want it to free you up to do the things that you can do for a long time, even after your death, blessing people, helping people. Um, some of the things that we're even going to talk about as a church in the coming weeks are even certain ways that people can even continue to give ministry giving even beyond they're passing that you can think through. How do I bless my family? How do I bless other mission efforts? All those different things. But that stuff doesn't happen by accident, does it? Never does. It has been somebody years, if not decades ago, going, let me think through how can I take care of all the needs in my life. So I want us to do this real quick. I want us to look at some hindrances to developing a budget. I mentioned last week that, um, you know, uh, my my financial education pretty much growing up in a single parent income my, my mom was a um, uh, elementary school teacher 
Um, my my uh, financial education was this. We don't have a lot of money, so we rarely go out to eat. And if we go out to eat, you drink water. Like that was the rules that we had, right? That was about all we had. I knew that my mom gave. I knew that she tithed. I knew that we paid our bills on time because she would give me the check. And I'd go walk into the offices. Y'all remember those days? You have to walk in all these kind of places. Like I remember like we would go once a month, and I would go and deliver the stuff in and drop it in the drop box and those kind of things. And so that, those are the kind of things that I remember. But I also know that when um, I became married once again and, and, and some of the insecurity that my wife had due to my lack of leadership, she just kind of was thinking, hey, are you going to even think about our finances? And my, my thought was, well, I'm going to work, right? <laughs> I'm bringing in a paycheck. And she's like, yeah, but are we, are we thinking about what's coming up next? And, and I wasn't. And so um, I, I told this group, I think last week, where I started reading a Dave Ramsey book and Total Money Makeover and read the whole thing in a car ride as she's driving and, and I'm reading and whatnot and started developing a, a budget where me and her would sit down um, as a couple and every at least one hour a month, we basically would look down and say, let's just look at our finances together. And, and that doesn't sound like, you know, as newlyweds, like the most, I don't know, romantic evening we would have, right? But it was one of the most important. It really was, because what it got us to do is it got us all on the same page and helped us navigate some of the things that we needed to do. Some of the hindrances that I would find, though, and when I talk with people about developing a budget and you thinking about how you're going to spend your money, here's number one, is fear. Um, some people are too fearful of what they might uh, begin to de- uh, find when developing a budget. So some people are fearful that, I'm going to have to move this around so I can make sure I can see everything, but that they are fearful of what they might find to begin developing a budget. Some people go, look, ignorance is bliss, right? i just rather not know. And if you make me start really dialing in and looking into what these things are as a budget, I'm going to be in a problem because I'm going to see things that I don't want to see. But sometimes it's, it's kind of like that opportunity we talked about this morning. Sometimes I just got to get it out there, right? I don't like a diagnosis that they're still wondering, like, just tell me what I got, just tell me what it is, and let's, let's address what it is. So sometimes, though, fear out of this can keep people from wanting to find out. Uh, the second hindrance to developing a budget is comparison. Don't let what others own own you. Don't let what others own own you. So if we think through that comparison, folks, it is very hard sometimes. A hindrance to developing a budget is that you start looking at what other people have, and you think that you need to have it as well, Right? It's, it's remarkable to me. I, I think I have ne- I've never walked into a place like Walmart or Target and only got the stuff that I came in there for. You realize that? You're like, you're going in, I need this. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, I came up with all this stuff. Why? Because they conveniently put it at the end of the aisle saying, you do need this. Oh, I never thought I needed that until you showed it to me, right? Um, we, were, we were joking with, uh, um, or we were getting down to Christmas time, and Amanda was telling uh, the kids how uh, things have changed for buying gifts for kids. She goes, when I was your age, you know what my grandmother would do? She would give me the JCPenney catalog and say, circle something. You know, that was kind of what she would do, right? Is circle something that you like and, and we'll get that for you. It's just a different kind of way. It, it, there's all the time things, whether you're a kid or a child, there's stuff telling you all the time what you need to have and you need to have it now, right? You deserve it, you need to have it, and it's a status symbol. What you drive, where you live, what clothes you wear, what your phone is, all these different things are always telling you. And comparison is such a dangerous trap because you begin to think in your own mind, I need that. I need that. They've got it. I deserve it. They don't, and I'll do whatever it takes to get it. And the problem is is that sometimes people are living beyond their means because they feel like that they this uh, unhealthy sense of comparison. The third thing that uh, when the comparison will lead to is discontentment. 
When you can't afford the type of lifestyle you think you deserve, you will make financial decisions that will cost you more in the long run. When you can't afford the type of lifestyle you think you deserve, I want this, I want to wear these clothes, I want to go on vacations like this, I want to do these things, you start making financial decisions that will cost you more in the long run. Um, I have mentioned before, but that it, you'll, you'll see so many times that credit card companies are allowed on college campuses, and what they do is they just prey on college kids. Prey on college kids. I mean, they just go in there and like, hey, you want a new car? You want a new this? Blah, blah, blah. We can give you this credit card for this, and you can go here, whatnot, and you will even give you a free T-shirt. <gasps> I get a free T-shirt for going in debt? You sure do. That sounds awesome. You know, right? Um, and, and so what's crazy is, is I, was, I, I was talking, and, and so many college students walk out of college um, I forgot what the average is now, but it's, it's not unlikely for some college students to walk out of once they get done with college and master's that we are talking six-figure debt, folks. Six-figure. Um, college is expensive, if you didn't realize. And college has now become, in a lot of contexts, people kind of, um, uh, I have a, a dear friend who she finished college First person in her family to go to college. And you know what she she got? She, she finished college, and she got a, um, she thought this degree was going to unlock all these opportunities, all this education. And guess what she found out about that degree? Oh, no, the only thing it unlocks you to do is to get a master's degree, and you're going to need that to have other kind of jobs. It's like, oh, now we've got to get more education. And she goes more in debt, right, and it just continues to go. In the same way you might think, well, I, I want to live in this or, or to, to provide that or, or to ride in that, whatever it is. And that discontentment can cause you to make all kinds of decisions where you start borrowing on money that you don't have and getting yourself in such a bad situation that you feel like, honestly, you can't even breathe, right? Just that the, you feel like at any moment now things are going to fall down around you. And so that discontentment can lead to it. One other issue that can uh, be a hindrance to your budget is what busyness. If you never create the margin to develop and maintain a budget process that works for you, you may never experience financial peace of mind. Uh, some of us are just too busy, or we think we're too busy, just to sit down and do some of this activity once a month. We just are. Too busy, got too many demands, and I don't have time to step back and to look at where we are financially. And so if you never create the margin to sit down as an individual or maybe as a couple or as a family to say, where are we financially, you're just never going to get around to it, right? I mean, honestly, if you get home after a long day, what would you rather do? Watch something on TV or, or start getting out your calculator and doing numbers. Well, I, I understand where you'd probably lean towards, but could you say once a month we're going to spend an hour and we got a system where we get together and we're going to work through some of these deals because it's going to be so uh, important for us to, to start thinking through. And then the last hindrance I'll say for a lot of people for creating a budget is what I call disorganization. Um, a failure to address the pertinent issues will cause more pain later than it will be uh, to wade through them now. So if you're disorganized and you are uh, failing to address the issues that you need to right now because you can't find something over here and, well, I know I got money over here and I can't remember where that password is over there and I can't find where such and such, you need to come up with some type of system where it's easy for you to figure things out. But it's kind of, this is what I always call um, the... Um, the closet clean out kind of mentality. Y'all know what it's like, that closet in your house or that drawer in your house that's so messy, there's just so, you just throw everything in it, and you know you need to clean it up. You know you need to get in there. Some of y'all are like, you're stressing me out, Trav. Why are we going there, right? But here's what you, you also got to understand. Sometimes to clean out those closets mean you have to make a bigger mess before it gets clean, right? 
You just got, you got to get everything out, right? Just bring it all out there and go, goodness gracious, how do we even stuff all that stuff in there, right? You find in like dead animals and all kinds of stuff, right? You just keep bringing it all out and then here's all that stuff. Who, who knew? And you get it out there and now you've created even more mess, right? At least you could close the door and not, you know, get, have to address it or face it, right? Now you bring it out and it's like it's right there for you. That's the only way to get down to it. And so some of this sometimes you have to say, get everything out here. Every debt, every bank account, every bill, every situation, just get it all out here. And you might be overwhelmed by it. That's all right. That's, that's a point towards getting in a good spot. Sometimes you just got to address it, got to get it all out there. But if you're disorganized, can't find stuff. Um, my wife, she is the queen of organization, okay? I just want to let you know something about precious, precious Amanda. I thought I was set up for a trap years ago because I was saying, well, what is it that you want for Christmas? And she said, you know what I want for Christmas? She said, y'all are going to think I'm joking about this. She says, I really wish I could have a label maker. Now, I thought this was a trap, if I'm going to be honest with you, because I've heard all these stories about a man getting some kind of gadget that requires batteries or cord for Christmas, and that was dangerous. And I'm like, this is a test, isn't it? I'm sitting here thinking, like, she's testing me to know if I'm really, she goes, no, I really want a label maker. Like, that's really what I want more than anything. I'm sitting there going, do I get it to her? What do I do, right? So I think I got her the label maker and something else, just to say, in case this was a trick, I just also got this, right? But she loved it because all of a sudden she starts organizing all her closets and shelves and this kind of stuff. So much so, she's so organized, no lie, there's labels. At one point, okay, she had labels in our fridge about what things go on, what shelves, this kind of stuff. And, what, and then you open up shelves and what plates go here and whatnot to help people that are kind of disorganized like myself, to help her keep things together. Now, let me explain what happened. We were selling our house one day, and this couple came in, and I thought, this is going to happen. These guys are really good. And all of a sudden, these guys walk in, and this guy walks in next to his wife. He goes, look, honey, look how clean this house is. Must be nice to live in a clean house. Wow. Stuff has a place. Look, honey, these are called labels. This is what they call organization. And I thought, she's going to kill them in the house. Am I responsible? You know, like, am I going to be guilty of this as well? And so it just goes on and on. He's like, wow. And he looks at me, what is it to live in a house like this where it's so organized? I'm like, it's better than where you're going to be living tonight, bro. Like, you know, I, I just can't imagine, right? I don't, I, I'll say this. They never bought the house, and I've never seen or heard from them again. I don't know what happened. I'm not responsible, right? But there is some element where, where Amanda had done such a good job of saying, like, if, if in our house right now, if you were to ask me where we need to find the 2014 tax reports, I could find it. Real easy. She set up a system for it. Now, can I tell you, it took a long time to get there. you got to figure out and do stuff, and sometimes it's not fun. But right now, if you ask me for it, it's good. You know, we have a sheet of paper that if anything happens, anybody, here it all is. Here's the password for this, and here's where this account is. You need to call so-and-so. It's all there. Now, is that fun to do? No. Is it important? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so sometimes, though, being disorganized can cause you from not wanting to do it. Now, let me talk about goals for developing a budget, right? Here's a few things for you to think about. Um, Number one is eager generosity. Uh, steward your blessings in order to bless others. This is why I think it's awesome to develop a budget is that you start stewarding your blessings when God is allowing you to work and to work hard and do things for his glory and for others' good, that you can start stewarding those so that you can be a blessing to others. So when those opportunities come up to give and send a missionary out or to help someone in need, you can start saying, can I do this or not? Are we able to actually do this? Um, Give an example. Years ago, we had some friends who wanted to start fostering 
uh, and possibly fostering to adopt. And uh, this, is, this couple is absolutely just incredible. Like they would meet the best foster parents in the world. Um, they went in and said, we're willing to be foster parents. Can, we, can uh, we be recommended for that? They came in and did a home inspection on these guys and everything um, as far as spiritually, mentally, emotionally, everything checked out. But they had one problem. Their windows in their house were half an inch too narrow. And so they said they could not be a foster home because the, there's a, a, a rate that the windows have to be so wide. They were half an inch off from that. And so the foster association said, no, you cannot foster a kid because in case of a fire, child can't get to the window. Now, look, I, I don't care how big or small you are. A half an inch, I'll get that kid through that window if I got You can push them out, okay? Like, you can get them out. That's all we're talking about. But they were unable to be foster parents, unable to be foster parents because windows too small. And so I said, well, have you guys looked into, you know, what it would be like to replace the windows? They said, yeah, it's going to cost this. And I thought, ugh. And we weren't at a place at that point where we could bring home another child, but you know what we could do? We could call on a few friends, and we could start budgeting our own process and thought, what if we can get these guys new windows? So our family and some other families got together, and we started budgeting and said, we can't bring that child home, but we can uh, widen those windows for you. And we were able to do that. I think it's so incredible for me that whenever now I see that child who was a foster child who now has that family's last name, that is an adopted son of theirs as much as any other son. When you see that family, I go, that child's not home, but I got to be a part of that. Small part, but I got to be a part of that. Like, we got to help say, hey, can we budget and do some stuff? And yeah, we got a little margin here. Let's go and let's get some new windows. And now a child has a new last name, folks. Like, I, I want you to understand that when you do this, it's not just to be, you know, financially like you're just more well off. It's to go, no, it allows you to have this eager generosity and ability to help others out. Second reason, second goal is aligned strategy. Establish a system in your family that provides regular opportunities for financial awareness and upcoming plans. It allows you to kind of see some things that are coming up uh, so that you're aware of things that you need to be budgeting for. Um, one of the most shocking things that happened once Amanda and I got off our honeymoon and we came back to our little double wide trailer, there were two pieces of mail that were sitting in our mailbox that were um, car taxes that were due. And I was like, car tax? I thought we already paid for the car. Uh, you know, or actually our parents paid for the car, right? When we were going through uh, college. And what is this? They're like, this is car taxes. And I called my mom like, what is this? She's like, it's called adulthood. Congratulations. I'm like, what? And we, we got off our honeymoon. She had not started yet uh, working. And here's two car taxes right off our honeymoon, right off getting married. That, hurt, that financially hurt. I can remember going, are we going to eat this month? Right? Those were hard you know, days that were very tough. right? But, but so what, what takes place is when you start budgeting is that if you look at the month of January, here's something that, that Amanda and I will do. Is I have a, a calendar system that we've organized to say, here are all the birthdays in January that we feel like we need to do something about. Okay? Um, because I remember early on in our marriage, um, there was another surprise month that hit us. It was called the month of December. Because y'all know what happens to your budget in December? Ooh, we got a big family. And they all want gifts. And I go, I don't know how many, like, you know, what can I give? And I'm sitting here going, like, see if I can get a six-pack of something and give them out to everybody, right? Like, what, what is it that I can help, you know, give out because money was tight? Well, you know what we started doing? We need to start planning for December. Christmas is coming. Uh, we got uh, four Mother's Day gifts that we need to give out come May. And I remember those days, we need to budget for that. We need to plan for that. Oh, we want to take a vacation? Where's that money going to come from? 
you're starting to plan for it. And so what happens when, when you do this, it helps you align to think through things and to get you to a place where you're not living just paycheck to paycheck or opportunity to opportunity. Third goal is lifestyle accuracy. Attempting to live beyond your means will eventually cost you more than you can afford. So what budgeting allows you to do is to say, where are we right now and what type of lifestyle can we afford? One of the um, things that I think are plaguing so many um, people when they leave the nest, right, and they start working on their own, uh, and this happened in, in my life, I think this will happen in, in my children's life, but I think it's been unique to the last few decades, is that um, people are leaving home being used to a certain lifestyle that they cannot afford once they're out of college or out of school. Well, I used to be able to drive this and go on vacation here and go on this trip and go these clothes. Mom and dad always provide this. You mean it costs that much? Yeah. Well, why am I not making that much? Because you got a starter job. And you're not, and, and it's just, you don't make that. What your, your parents worked for for 25, 30 years and whatnot to, so they could develop that to send you on those vacations. You can't do that now. And what happens is, is a lot of people leave the nest and they get so frustrated that they can't continue to live the way that they have lived. They start making unwise decisions and start forcing things or going even to further debt. So this helps you go lifestyle accurate. What can we afford? What can we do? And number four is complete transparency. A family will rarely survive ongoing spending deception and escalating financial frustration. Family cannot um, survive, especially if people are deceiving one another about what they're spending. Where's that money going? Um, it was so much for us, it scared us enough. Right before we got married, we had a family friend who um, basically, I, I can remember um, having to go and help them move out because they, um, they were being forced out of their home because the you know bank came in and said, well, you haven't been paying the mortgage payment. And the dad goes, yes, I've been paying the mortgage payment. And, and their situation was that the dad made this money, he had his checking account, wife had her checking account, he paid for these bills, she paid for these bills, and nobody knew what was going on in between it. And he kept saying, no, I'm paying the mortgage. I don't know what they're talking about. They must just got lost in the mail. No, I paid it. No, they, it'll come up. It's just they messed up. Turn to find out uh, video poker had been taking all their mortgage payments the last eight months. House got foreclosed on. They had to go out, and this family is, was now homeless uh, and ended into a divorce. Now, could that have been avoided uh, if they had been a little more honest? Well, he still could have had an addiction that he got into, but I will say this. It's kind of hard to mask that if you're looking at your financials every month together. Here it is. I made this. Where's all that money going? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, you do. Let, let's figure this out together. It scared Amanda and I enough that when we got married, this is just a conviction of ours. I don't have a Bible verse, uh, Bible verse to support this, right? But we weren't having separate checking accounts. It's one stuff. If, if Scripture says that we're one, we're going to be one in every way. So she knows what's in there. I know what's in there. We have access to any of it. It's not her side or my side. It's our stuff. Uh, together. And so with that, you've got to be transparent if you're going to continue to, um, I, I think, develop a budget and also be financially in a good spot. Uh, number five, future mentality. Any financial strategy that disregards future needs will confront your family at the worst possible time. You have to be thinking about what are those situations that are coming up and, and may be in the real, real distant future. It might be decades from now, but are you considering where you are, where the needs are, and what are you doing about it right now? Um, I was reading a book last week that talked about that if somebody were to do a simple mutual fund investment of $100 a month for the first three years of their career, 
uh, how much that would generate over time and never put anything else into it. It's unbelievable, right, of doing some hard stuff early on and then, and then it continuing to build from that. The problem is that a lot of times people say, oh, I got time. I'll start doing that later. I'll start doing that later. And sometimes it goes, it's so hard to, to make up for that. So you start thinking through um, the way that your, your retirement and how you're saving and what type of home or, or that you live in, you're always thinking, like, how is this going to relate not only just to now but also future? And the last one is practical tranquility. Uh, if you can control your spending and develop a budget, you'll experience a needed peace for your life. Uh, there's just a peace in knowing where the money's going and, and how uh, you got there and what you can do with it. Um, at first, especially if you've never done it, it's very frustrating. <laughs> it's very annoying. You feel like there's this piece of paper that is going to really, really mess you up. Uh, but what it's going to do is it's going to help provide, give you a framework. So steps to developing a budget. All right, so here, here we go. Here's a few things I want to do that kind of summarize some things that I've read through the years or, or practiced. And here's the first thing. Assign every dollar a responsibility. Assign every dollar a responsibility. You go, what does that mean? Um, this is called, some of you would, would know the terminology called a zero-based budget. Okay? Zero-based budget is this. If you make $1,000, right, you want to say, where is every single one of those dollars going out before I spend it? Where is it going? Get down to zero. And you go, you mean I'm going to have anything left? No, no, no. Let's say you had $250 to put into savings, but you tell that $250 that's where you're going. Because if not, guess what? It's going to go to supersizing every kind of meal that you go through, right? That's where it's going to go. It's just going to get lost. A little bit here and swiping there and you name it and just goes places versus you saying, let me assign every dollar a responsibility, which means this. You start spending every dollar on paper before you actually spend it outright. So you go, okay, the bill for the house is going to be this and the electricity bill is going to be this and the car payment's this and, and whatever it is, but you put every dollar on paper. That first year of marriage, first time we ever did this, I was like, okay, we're going good. All right, how much we got left over? Oh, $23. That sounds nice. <laughs> you can go to the movie this month, right? Okay, like, you know, there, there wasn't a lot, but here's what it helped. For us, when we started assigning every dollar responsibility, um, I've known a lot of people, especially if you're married, doing a budget stuff, that they'll say, okay, in a budget, they'll go, Here's where the guy, here's the money, your free money, do whatever you want to. And here's the, the woman's you know, free money, here's just go and do what you want to. That's a great method. For us, uh, we did things a little different, and here's why. Because sometimes if we only had $23 left to spare, and, and I had 23 and she had 23 like she might need 46 this month, and I don't really need anything. And so instead of saying, no, that's my money, you can't touch it, you know, like, what, if, what if she needs something, and so we just say, we're one, this is us, and so this month, I just, what, what do you need, right? Let's just address those things. But you start assigning every dollar a responsibility. Where is it going to go? And you spend it on paper before you actually spend it outright. Number two, acknowledge your actual expenses. Put it out there. Don't have anything hidden. Don't keep anything away from it. Just get it all out there. Be overwhelmed by it if you need to be overwhelmed by it. But see what your actual expenses are. Um, and with that, I would also encourage you to, to consider something here, something I started doing just last year, um, just a little bit different. But I, um, I, I started coming up with a little spreadsheet that I started putting um, my bills in every little category. So if this is the mortgage payment, here's the electricity bill and all this kind of stuff. I started um, having a thing that would just get the average every month of what, say, the electric bill is, right? 
Because what this helps me do is planning next year. And I realize, okay, my electric bill is going to go up at certain times of the year, right? When it's really, really hot or it's what? Really, really cold. And so I start going, okay, so these months are good and we can save some money here. But then they go really up and I'm like, what's the difference? And I start looking at what's the average for the year, right? It helps me kind of plan and budget and think through. And so just getting a picture, uh, but really acknowledging what your actual expenses are. Where are you spending money, right? Number three is adjust as you go. I've never, ever seen anybody who did a personal family budget and go, oh, this is set forever, right? It's going, you might actually overspend something, or you may think, oh, I didn't realize this is coming. What do you do? Give up? No. You just adjust. You make some adjustments as you go and, and do different things that you can to, to try to figure out how to make sure that you can get the best out of the, the steward, the resources that you have. Number four, access last month's money. Now, what do I mean by that? Um, so if you really want to budget this, this is a hard thing. Um, some of you may get paid monthly. Some of you may get paid weekly. Some of you may get paid twice a month. How all, all this works, right? And so if, let's just say you get paid twice a month, but you need both of those things to pay all of your bills, and the, the payment drops here and here, but some of the bills drop here. You following me? So how do you do that, and how do you make a real simple budget? A goal that I would encourage you to do is to get to a place where you can say, all right, whatever you make in January is paying whatever's coming up in February, okay? So when you're getting paid then in February, what you're doing is you're, you're setting that up to get to pay everything in what? In March, right? So you're, you're getting to say, this is what I made for this month. Here are these expenses for this month, and I'm going to pay that out of it. And so you get to a place where you can at least see you're not – going paycheck to paycheck or just trying to manage the cash flow, which is very stressful, is it not? Uh, I imagine there's a lot of us in this room that know what it's like to get paid and have to run to the bank really quick, right? Because we're worried somebody's going to already cash that check and we got to move it, right? And so if you can just get one month ahead, one month ahead, you can say, um, this, is, this is where I, I want to get. Because uh, even this, I was um, looking at something, and, and, and it was interesting because we get here at the church, we, we pay our employees uh, officially, I guess it's uh, every other week. But in my mind, I was thinking, oh, every other week, you know, it's, that's twice a month. Mm, not actually, because there's 52 weeks, there were, there were two pay periods in there, there's, right, that I wasn't considering. And I remember at the end of my year last year, I was looking at going, okay, this is what I expected to, to tithe to the church. I'm going, oh, I haven't given my whole tithe. What often? I'm looking at my math. Well, I was um, doing it by 12 rather than by 26 pay periods. You see the difference here? And so even with that, sometimes like getting all your money and, and managing it, is, it kind of be confusing. So if you can say, here's what I made for this month, and it's going to take care of the needs for the next month, it's a great place to be. So you start accessing that last month's money. And here's the other thing. Address danger areas gradually. Address danger areas gradually. As you start spending, you're going to notice something and you go, wow, I didn't realize I was spending all that money over there and in and, and this situation. And you're going to see some things uh, that may not be as, as helpful as you wanted to. Um, there's a lot of services out there. You can do it. Some people's online bank will allow you to see where you're spending money. So every time you go to Chick-fil-A, they'll group it as food, and you don't may or may not want to see that. You know, I really go there that much? Wow, I could send my kid to college. Um, but you, you see where all these different things go. There's also um, a free program that the group that does TurboTax, if any of you guys have ever used that, there's a program called Mint. It's a free thing for you to do that basically you could put in, and it, it connects all your different stuff and sort of groups together and says, hey, for your family, you should be spending this much on food, but by our calculations, you are over budget. 
And it, it can do those types of things for you. Some of y'all are disciplined enough to keep every receipt and keep tabs on it, and that is wonderful. So in our, our first year of marriage, one of the things that, that Dave Ramsey encouraged to do that I thought I was going to die on, but we did the first couple years of our um, marriage, was called the envelope system. You ever heard about the envelope system? You get paid, and you say, all right, we got $250 for food this month, and we're getting the cash out of the bank, and we're putting in the envelope. And you know what happens? When you spend that cash rather than swiping that card, something happens to you. Because you start looking at that envelope and going, we are not going to Outback this weekend. You know, we, it's just not going to happen. And you start seeing that money go. And sometimes it helps discipline you. There are some people I know that are still in a good financial position, but say, we're going to allot this much for groceries and this much for eating out. And there's the cash. And once it runs out, that's it. Sit. We're back on ramen noodles for the rest of the month, right? Whatever we got to do. But you just start teaching yourself and making sure that you can address those areas. But also, when I say danger areas, you might find a place where you're overspending. But also another danger area is this. If you realize that you are paying so much on so many things that are debt-related, you're going to have to realize that you are in such a bad spot, you're going to have to say, okay, I think I got a problem here. Um, and, and so... In fact, there are some people who have struggled with so much, and they're going, okay, if, if you can't, here's, here's just a rule of thumb that, I, that I've, I've encouraged people to live by. If you are struggling just to make the monthly payments on your credit bills, you need to get rid of those credit cards immediately. You need to cut them up, and you need to get rid of them. If all you're doing is paying the minimum on it, you are paying so much interest and losing so much money over time. If you're only able to do the minimum payment and you're just struggling and that debt's increasing, 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 that's why it's good sometimes just to see it. <gasps> what do we owe? Here's all these things. And, and so you address those danger areas gradually. If, you have, uh, if you've spent 20 years to get yourself in debt, do you think you're going to get there out of there overnight? No, no way. But you can gradually, right? Over time, you can start doing this. Now, I, I put this in here um, before we look at this budget sheet, this thing called Eight Money Milestones. Um, Art Rayner, there's a great little book uh, called The Money Challenge. I would recommend, there's a lot of great books I've read out there. This is maybe my favorite one. Very, very simple, right to the point, very practical about giving people some ideas about what it is. Now, he gives you eight money milestones to go by. Some of you would disagree with the order of these. This, let me make sure you understand this. This right here is not Bible, Okay. This is somebody who's wise who says, I'd recommend doing this. But for me, a lot of times, I, sometimes I get to a place of going, okay, uh, I, I'm doing this, and financially we, we've got these things, and i got three kids who maybe one day want to go to college, and you know, they might want to get married, and, and want to retire. And a lot of times I go, if I had 25 extra dollars at the end of the month, where does it go to? Have you ever been there? Like, what should I put it in, right? And this has been a good kind of guide. Once again, this may not be the way that you would see it, but if he was to say you were to start budgeting, here's a few things that he would say, start doing it right away. Number one is start giving. I knew a preacher would say that. Art Rayner does serve in the ministry, but here's what he says. Um, I know that we've mentioned this before, where most people would say it's good to give a tithe. I would say absolutely. I would not recommend you prolonging giving until you're able to give 10%. I'd encourage some of you to encourage one day, maybe you can give even more than 10%, but if you can only give 2% because you were so strapped, don't wait till you get 10% before you give at all. Give something now. Because what it does is starts getting you in the habit of saying, this is not all about me, and I'm doing this to try to advance it. What his encouragement is this. If you can only give 2% to your local church or ministry that you, whatever you're supporting, right? 
He says, if you can only do 2%, here's your goal. Can you start giving 3% by a few months from now? Can you slowly get there? Don't just say, well, when I'm financially well off, I'll start giving. Because guess what happens? You get used to such a way of lifestyle, you will never have the margin to give. So he says, wherever you are, start giving right then, right away. Don't, get, um, don't waste from it. The number two thing he says is to save $1,500 for a minor emergency. Save $1,500 for a minor emergency. Um, some of you go, $1,500, that sounds like a major emergency. I, I, you need to have $1,500 that if something happens, your car breaks, somebody goes in the hospital, you got that right there, accessible at that time. And it's not something that's going in and out. For some people I know, they got $1,500 in a sock drawer. It's not my sock drawer, but I'm just saying some people have it there, they want it accessible. Some people have it in a separate savings account. This is just that emergency fund, and if you have to use it and you use $800, guess what they do? As soon as you can, replenish it. Replenish it. Because you all know what that's like. Just one little moment can make your financial situation mess up, right? But this is minor emergency, but he says, really start working at saving $1,500 for a minor emergency. Third thing he encourages is to max out your 401k or 403b match. Some of you go, all right, some of you go, I know what that is. Some of you go, I don't know exactly what that is. That is if you are working for an employer and they say, we will put into your retirement and we will give 5% to your retirement right out. So 5% of what you make, we're going to put in this other account. You don't have to worry about it so that one day when you're not working, it can provide for you. But if you take 6% out of your check, we'll actually up it to 6 Or some, some places will say, we will match you up to 10%. What he would say is, you take every kind of thing they can match and you go for it. Because that's, that's, that's extra free money that's helping you out. It's not taxed at all. So it's when they say we're putting in $400 or whatever it is, they're, they're putting $400 straight up, and that's going to, over time, gain a lot of interest and, and be able to allow you to be able to one day retire. So if your employee says we will match up to 10%, he says when you are financially able, you put 10% in there and match. And now you got 10 and 10. How much does that equal, everybody? 20, okay, good. So you're like, oh, I, I, math, this is good. Um, but you, if you can help max that out, whatever your employee, if you have a steady job that's given to your retirement, do what you can to max that out because that is money that they're saying, we're willing to put this here. If you'll just put in some of yours, and that'll allow you to think about the future in a way that's just kind of happening, uh, happening as um, habit. Number four, pay off all debt except your mortgage. How much of it? All of it. Cars credit cards, school loans, pay off everything you can except your mortgage, okay? Mortgage payment is something you're paying for your house, right? But if you've got credit cards, if you've got a car payment, work relentlessly, relentlessly to get all that debt off of you. I know that some of you are so excited that i um, hoping that we're going to talk about debt next Sunday. We're going to talk about the reality of debt and what we got to do with it, and we'll get into that a little more specific. But this, if you've got all these minimum payments and all this kind of stuff going on, you pay that off as quickly as you can because it's going to free you to do some other stuff, right? Either that or you got to write Oprah and hope she's very generous. Okay, number five, save three to six months of living expenses for a job loss emergency. So once again, this is kind of a timeline for what he would say milestones that he would do. But so this is not your $1,500 emergency fund. This is you looking to say, it takes this much of money for me to live, our family, for a month. And now I'm going to save up to three to six months of what that could be in case of something happens. I lose my job, 
and the, mar- and, and the job market is just way, way down. And so you would have that there just in case. Now, um, a lot of people would say, well, is that living by faith, Pastor? It's not saying stockpile two years of it. It's saying three to six months. Some of you in this room have been without a job more than three to six months, right? You know, it's like, like job loss, and it's hard for you to get something, and that reality is there. And so you want to be able to say, I'm, I'm trusting in the Lord, but I'm also being wise that as that little ant does this, preparing in the harvest, storing up for the winter. Whenever those winter months come, at least I've got. And so that, so once again, Art Rainer would encourage you that save up three to six months of living expenses for a job loss emergency. Budgeting allows you to see what that is, right? You're going, I don't know. I guess we live off a little bit every month. No, no, no. Figure out what it is. Um, number six. Put 15% of your gross income to retirement. Once again, this is his, his opinions on and numbers you can fudge on or order or whatnot. But he would say, if you look at the status of where things are, 15% of your gross income goes to retirement. Some of you look at the future of Social Security and the stock market, and you get really stressed, don't you? And you go, oh, where do, what do I do this? And is that going to be there? I, I, I don't know. I can't, I can't tell, but I, I do know this. I think that... You can't just sort of hope that it's going to be there one day. You've got to be doing something to set up. So however you do that. For some people, maybe you're giving up to 15% of your gross income to retirement. It may be through what your company is doing, right? Or you may be doing something out on the side, but you're preparing for that winter uh, place in your life. Uh, number seven, save for college or pay off your mortgage. That's not necessarily your college, but maybe your kids, right? If you think, okay, I got, a, I got a child that's coming up that wants to go to college, how can I start saving for that? Or to pay off your mortgage, pay off your house payment. Um, I would just, I, somebody was saying this the other day, but there's a lot of different goals that people will have. But, you know, when you are, you're looking at a house that obviously the house can, can retain value and actually can grow in value, um, I think most of you, you would know this, but I want to just make sure everybody does, that, that normally homes will increase in their value, Right? And what happens to a new car when you drive it off a lot? Depreciates right away, right? So, so a house can actually somewhat possibly earn some income. It will either stay at the same level or it might go up. So if you, you buy a house, you're paying on a house, and you sell on it 10 years later, you might actually make some more equity on that purchase. When you get a car, all it does is tank, okay? It's not like you go, well, I, you know, put in this new little dice around the you know rear view mirror does that add value nope it doesn't right uh, and so there's certain things well in this case he's saying look if you get to this place you're saving for college for your kids to get that or to pay off your mortgage um let's just imagine this for for parents that you've got young kids coming through if your child if if you could pay off your home by the time your child is 18 guess what college isn't that overwhelming anymore is it because you got margin you got breathing room so you're just starting to think through, Let me. how can I systematically get there or at least to get a little bit closer? And then number eight is live generously. At this place, it's not just doing kind of those bare minimums things. It's going, hey, I can do all this stuff and, and even more. There's plenty of things I can do. Now, I want you to real quick turn over to this other sheet that I gave you. Hold on a sec. Thank you. This is, um, there's a lot of um, different forms of this. This is one that I worked on uh, about a year ago for our family, and I wanted just to share it with you because um, at different stages of our life, our monthly kind of budget stuff has looked a little bit different, but one of the things that, that um, I do every month when uh, we're working through and paying the bills is that I am going to make this worksheet out for our family, 
And, and this is what I do. If you look in the, the left column there where it says assets, um, there's salary, if there's any additional income for our families, accounts are how much money is in the bank, what is our mortgage, what are we still owe in our house. Those are the next two are retirement accounts. I'm looking at what the retirement is for, for uh, my retirement. And Amanda worked as a school teacher for four years, and so there's some retirement, her account. Um, I, on that, um, I look at the value of what our cars are and watch them depreciate every month. It's wonderful. Um, and then, and I'm using all these different things and it kind of puts together, here's the assets, here's the things that you own, right? Here's what you own, here's what you have in retirement accounts, here's all the positive stuff. And then here's the debts. So for us right now, we have a mortgage debt. That's what we've got. Uh, we kind of have it a, a mentality that when we started, we weren't going to get into credit card stuff, we weren't going to be borrowing a lot of stuff. If we need it, we need to pay for it. That's kind of our deal, unless it was some major thing like a mortgage, like a house, right? Um, maybe you roll like that where you can pay off a house on your first paycheck, and please tell me what you do because I want to follow you to work one day. Okay, um, but with that, here, that last little line item is it sort of helps sort of determine, and I, I have these um, forms. I'm going to make this available on our website so you can actually plug the numbers in and it does the math for you. It kind of just says like what your net worth is, what you have in the positive or negative, those two columns are what was the previous month and what's the current month and what's the difference like. And what that shows me is that, hey, if my account thing, if like I only have this much money and it keeps going down every month, we might have a problem, okay? We got a leak somewhere in the boat. We got to figure out where that leak is, right? On the right side of those payments, uh, this is how I would do this is that I'm going to look at what my monthly expenses are, right? So what's the offering that we're giving to the church? What's mortgage, electric, insurance, water, internet going on down there? And then I also look at the 2019 average of each of those. And the reason why I put that in there is that, hey, uh, if the water bill is like $100 more than what it normally is, maybe there's a leak. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like maybe it's sort of alerting us to something. Maybe somebody is texting too much. Like we need to kind of see what this is. And so it just sort of helps me keep in mind. Um, the next thing at the bottom that you see is the calendar. And what I'll do is I'll look at, say, January, and I will look at all the major events that have to do with our family that are out of the norm. So that means any family uh, birthdays, any trips that are coming up, any things that I've got to be out of town for, and I put them all here. Because some of you know what it's like to have a family that's going everywhere, and you go, aren't you supposed to be there that day, and who's going to be there? I just put it all out there. Here's all the stuff. Here's all the birthdays. Here's all the events. Here's all the stuff that we might have to think about, and put it all there so we can see it. And then in this right column over here, um, I put a little tab of what are some projects that maybe we want to do together if we go, you know what? We're trying to fix this in our laundry room, but instead of, um, I won't ask a show of hands here, but some of you have a list of about 20 things you like to do in your house right now, right? Need to fix this and do that. Sometimes it can be a little overwhelming, can it not? Here's the one or two things we're going to work on this month. That other stuff, you're going to have to worry about another month. It just sort of helps clear your mind. These are the things. We're going to be like little ants this month, and we're going to go back and forth, and we're going to work this out and do this. So here's some projects. What are we going to do in our marriage to progress it this month? We're going to read something together. We're going to go on a date. We're going to, what, what are we going to do? What are we going to get, have a getaway? What are some things that we can do? And then also, what is the goal as a parent that I'm thinking through? There's some things I want to do with my kids this month. I want to bless them, go and do something special with them. And this just helps me kind of have a guide. Now, this is a, a simple approach. And the reason why I just gave you this, because there's a lot more budgets that are a lot more complex. But for some of us in this room, one of the things you might want to do is to say, even beyond all that, you see on, on this budget list, I'm not listing what a food budget is or a grocery budget. You may want to start doing that. But in a zero-based budget, what you're doing is I'm going to give every dollar responsibility. 
And you may look and say, I got $200 at the end of the month to show. That's all that's, that's open there. And you can say, well, who knows where it'll go, and we'll just you know, be lucky if it's still here at the end of the month. Or you can give it a responsibility. I want to bless this person. I want to put this back for a rainy day. I want to help start building into some of these things. It helps allow you to start getting control on it. Because, folks, I just know my envious eyes and my consumeristic mentality that if I don't get control of stuff, stuff will start controlling me. Spending here, doing that, racking up debt, you name it. And so this helps give you a guide uh, into some ways that you possibly can do it. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to continue this conversation a little bit next week, um, but we're really going to talk about how to start getting in in a better spot. Um, I want to also just remind everybody, so next week um, we're going to talk about uh, debt and how to sort of get moving towards that um, and and really some long-term things and how to make sure that we're we're good there. Um, The following week uh, is the last Sunday in January. Um, what we're going to do is we're actually going to kind of combine this time with a, a waypoint um, where, where we're going to sort of explain a little bit about um, some ways to help out in a very critical area. And this is, really is birthed out of, um, as a pastor, walking with a lot of families who get to the end of their life and things are not taken care of. Um, and there's a lot of people who are always going, I'll get to that, I'll get to that, I'll get to that, and then all of a sudden it comes. And so what we're going to do on that last Sunday of this month is that we're going to have some really, really helpful resources that whatever stage of life you are in, that you can have a plan to make sure that you're taking care of your family and thinking long-term down, down the pipeline, okay? So we're going to have some people in here, actually some, um, some help and a lot of resources. There's going to be some free stuff that we're going to give, um, and it's going to be super helpful. The following Sunday, which is the first Sunday in February, is the last Sunday of this series, and there's also this silly football game that will be on that night. Just want to let you know, we will continue our thing in here, that we will do one final of, of that, uh, and I understand if you have other um, responsibilities or things to do that night, that's completely fine. I will not be offended. We will be here to finish it out. But through the rest of the year, some of this, um, I imagine some of you go, oh, this is a good idea, and some of you, this is getting your wheels turning and going, I need somebody to help unpack this with me. Like, this is brand new, and I, I need more information than this. This is too much for me to compute right now. What we're going to be offering a lot is that we have some financial courses and some other stuff, but also for some of you that might say, can I just sit down and talk with somebody? The answer is yes. We want to help you get there, uh, but we'll have a lot of that even beyond this series throughout this year to make sure that you're in a good, peaceful spot. Does that make sense? Listen, y'all hung in there really well. I hope you haven't been bored to tears. Hopefully it's giving you some good ideas. Here, here's the concept once again. Our Father gives us some good stuff, right? And we want to be able to take care of our own and the people that he's given to us and entrust us with us, the opportunities he provides. So, Father, we do thank you tonight as walking through some of this stuff that sometimes we don't talk about as a church, but we need to. Um, This is about the things that you give us so that we can bless others as well. Um, And We don't want to be a burden to others. We want to take care of our uh, orders and on all the different things that you've given us. We want to be responsible uh, for everything uh, that you do provide. So, God, I know for some of us this requires discipline and this requires organization. That's somewhat difficult. It is for me. It's challenging for me. It's hard. It's it's every month going through some of these exercises. It's not like I look forward to it, but I also know how important it is. So, Lord, would you allow us to be the type of people that don't um, allow you just to have access to some of our lives, but we want you to have full reign and responsibility in every area of our life, including our finances, including the possessions that we have, We want to glorify you with them and also be good to others. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, guys.